This episode of Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by nightchannels.com, the only place on the internet to get that darker side for your t-shirts and hoodies. These are amazing, unique t-shirts and hoodie designs for occult, music, literature, and films. Of course, they got loads of amazing horror t-shirts. There's this Texas Chainsaw one that you gotta have. They got Alien, but they also got these deep cuts like Begotten. You know Begotten, right? Because you're a hardcore horror fan like I am. Or Guinea Pig. It's like that across the entire site for their music, for the anime, for other kind of media categories. Such cool designs that you're not going to find anywhere else. Go on there. There's no way you're not going to get a t-shirt or hoodie. I guarantee you. Tons of color options. The t-shirts have two fabric options. Classic 90s style, which is Gildan, or that great modern combed cotton Bella option. And the best part about all this, these are one-of-a-kind designs, and all of it has really great competitive prices. In fact, if you go there right now and you enter the code RewindAt at checkout, you get 13% off. That's right, 13% off at checkout if you let them know that Rewind of the Living Dead sent you. Uh, so when you're at the next convention or concert and someone asks, where'd you get that shirt? The only answer is at nightchannels.com. And be sure to visit them on Instagram at nightchannels as well. Um, That's N-I-G-H-T channels.com. And be sure at checkout to enter the code rewind to get your 13% off. Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. Working on a tiny budget didn't allow director Anthony de Blasi and co-writer Scott Polly to do everything they wanted when making the 2014 film Last Shift, but they never imagined that there would come a day where they would return to that same world less than 10 years later. A new production company called Welcome Villain launched, with producer Luke LeBeau pitching the duo on the idea of revisiting Last Shift, this time with a bigger budget that would allow them to tell a different story. De Blasi debated if he wanted to make an extension of the first film or just reimagine the movie under slightly different circumstances while also keeping everything in the movie rather than some parts that were purposely left on the cutting room floor due to budget restraints. De Blasi settled on the latter, especially with the chance to remake the film with audiences also finally being able to see his movie in theaters. The setup was nearly the same as the original, except this time the rookie police officer babysitting a decommissioned police station actually chose her assignment because she was desperately looking for answers about her family's history and the ties her father had to a demon-worshipping cult that allegedly died alongside him one year earlier, yet seems eerily still very much alive. told us that Captain Lauren's daughter would be joining the department. Yes, sir. I just want to work where my father worked, even if it's for one night. He was a hero. Until he wasn't, you know. Lanford Police Department. You don't know what happened. But your father was no saint. Your daddy started something very important. Tonight we're going to finish it. The Temple Baron will bring forth the Low God. And I will be Redeemer. Infinite mouth. I can't do this anymore. Just get me out. We pray in the temple of the low god. In 
In the second episode of our two-part series, Rewind of the Living Dead will stay out of the holding cell and keep the laptop shut as we review the 2023 reimagining called Malum. Damon Martin and I'm Patrick Guerra and Damon I just barely held on because I know you were barely holding on through that intro I've done enough of these episodes of these podcasts with Damon to know he was like three moments away from going ah fuck shit fucking shit god damn it and then started that recording over again and now that we're on YouTube people will be able to see our my face going <laughs> like did he get through it i was yes. this close i was this close to crack it up i was uh, i was very close to restarting that but i was like i'm gonna power through i'm gonna power through when you <laughs> when you write an intro and you're reading it uh you do tend to trip over your words a little bit and sometimes it's tough not to and so usually we will get a second take but i was powering through because i didn't mess up badly enough to want to restart it so i was like you know what we're just gonna keep going they won't even notice, but I notice because we've done 136 of these or whatever it is, whatever yeah. the number is, probably more than that at this point. But it, you know, I was just like, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Because I always look forward to those little, ah, fuck, shit, God damn it. All right, <laughs> yeah, let's try I'm again. A, I'm, a weird, I'm a weird perfectionist when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like when the intros, I like them to sound clean and very well recorded. I've done voiceover work before, uh, so I'm very like anal retentive about like how it comes across and how I do it. Uh, and so, yeah, when I do those kind of voiceovers, I like them to sound good and occasionally I do trip over my words or I just misread something or I, I write it ahead of time I'm a writer by nature but sometimes I'll repeat a word in my intros and it bugs me so I try to change it and then I mess it up and so yeah uh, I did trip a Damon little bit I did, I did trip but I didn't fall you didn't fall and and myself and all of our rewinded living dead faithful appreciate all the effort you put in because you put in a lot of effort every single week to bring us a great episode so well damon we speak your name thank you very much <laughs> just call me malum uh <laughs> speaking of which we will now be talking about malum obviously on last week's episode we discussed Last Shift, which was a 2014 film uh, from director Anthony de Blasi, and we both gave it pretty high praise. A very low-budget film, uh, all taking place of a police officer on her first night of the job working at a decommissioned police station, and really weird, bizarre, demonic, haunted things happen to her. Fast forward nine years later, a new production studio by the name of Welcome Villain had pitched the idea of uh, revisiting this world to Anthony de Blasi under a bigger budget. And so Anthony de Blasi, as I mentioned in the intro, was kind of debating to himself, do I want to return to this world and kind of maybe make a sequel, sort of, or, you know, kind of like a, a, an extension of this story? Or would I like to reimagine it under the idea that we actually have a full budget now and we can do the things we couldn't do the first time around? He opted for the latter, as I mentioned in the intro, and now we are getting a reimagined version of Last Shift with a very similar premise, except this time the movie is called Malum. That's right. Yeah, we we praised up, right, left, and center uh, Last Shift uh, for a very low-budget, micro-budget, a no-budget film. They did a great job, uh, and they they really delivered something that is, I think, special because it, it for for its price point, it delivers a lot. 
And then, um, and, and I, as I said on that show, I actually found out about Last Shift because I knew Malum was coming. And then I discovered that Malum was a reimagining, a retelling of the same story by the same people. Very, very unique situation. So it got us into sort of this like mini little, you know, we, we try to do like one franchise a year. We're, we're kind of squeezing in one right now. It's just two. And it just happens to be the same movie over again, which is really interesting. I'm trying to think. Is there is there a horror film where they kind of I mean Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two, I think is the is the big one. That's the that's the daddy of them all. They basically Evil Dead Two, if they had just called it something else, was basically a retelling of what they did in Evil Dead. It wasn't. It was basically the same movie. And that's yeah. Is Malum basically the same movie? We're going to get into that uh, in our spoiler section. But I, I I would imagine Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two is the only thing that comes to mind that's happened like this in the past. And they don't really, and even with that one, like we were trying to think, because obviously there's a million remakes out there, but typically you're not dealing with the same director, the same writer, like you're not dealing with that. This is literally the same people. And Evil Dead is one, we didn't mention it last week. This is probably the only example, but even that one, they don't really, they don't really say it like that. Like, yeah, we know Evil Dead 2 is basically Evil Dead 1 over again with a little bit better budget and better effects, you know what I mean? But there's still a real passion and love for evil dead one. Um, and they don't really talk about it. Like it, like they don't really talk about it. Like it's two separate films. Like they call night, they call evil dead, evil dead two and, and army of darkness, the evil dead trilogy. Um, so yeah, it's a weird one. Yeah. This one, this one is a straight up like reimagining, just basically redoing it over. Uh, but the biggest difference is, is they attack it from a different level in terms of the story. Um, the story is similar. The premise is similar, but the execution mm-hmm. is a lot different in this particular story. And let me just go ahead and lay that out since I'm kind of the story guy here, Patrick. In the last shift, the story was Oscar Jessica Lauren was going to babysit on her first night on the job. She was ordered to babysit this decommissioned police station that was getting shut down the next day and, and, and basically shut down permanently and everything had been shifted to another police station down the street. She showed up at this police station and weird stuff started happening. And as we learned throughout the movie, uh, this is the same police station where her father once served. And it's also the same police station where a cult had been captured and during a raid members killed. Uh, and this cult also happened in this police station. The remake or the reimagining called Malum is similar, except this time our police officer, Jessica Warren, uh, is a rookie who chooses to go work at this police station because that is where her father worked. She chose to go there uh, because she wanted to know what happened. This is a, I mean, I guess it's kind of a minor spoiler, but it's not really. Uh, her father is not around anymore for lack of a better way of saying yeah. it. They say she, it in the synopsis that yeah, she wants to find out why, what her, happened, why her father died. Why her father died. And so that's the premise of this one. She goes there on purpose this time because she wants answers as to what actually happened to her father because she's never fully understood what happened to her dad. Um, and so again, similar, but still slightly different. Last one was she was assigned there. This one she chose to go there and she's actually kind of investigating what happened to her dad on the night of his death. And so the premise is slightly different. Now, obviously we mentioned at the top, Malum is a film with a much bigger budget, much larger effects, uh, much deeper in that regard. Uh, but again, same team behind it. So they had the same creative people, Scott Polly writing along with Anthony de Blasi directing and writing. So yeah, same team, a lot more money. <laughs> yeah. And I think it shows too, like right away without getting into any spoilers or anything, you know, 
in last shift, everything was very contained. It started right in front of the police station. She was in the police car. She's on the phone with her mom. And then she goes in and and basically nothing ever escapes the area that we're dealing with, um, which is the police station. This one starts in, uh, I believe, in a graveyard, right? Well, I don't, don't want to give starts, too much. It starts, if I remember, it starts, oh, yes. in, her, it starts in, her, in her apartment where she's getting ready for her shift and then it goes to the graveyard where she runs into where she's going to see her dad's grave. Well, yeah, it actually, it doesn't actually start it, there. It started with something else, which yeah. I don't even want to necessarily get into yet. Yeah. Um, but, but basically my, the point is, is that last shift was very contained at the police station, like in and around the police station only this, it builds a whole world out before you ever start at the police station. And it doesn't take long to do it. I mean, maybe five minutes, maybe 10, 10 total minutes of showing there's a bigger world. There is a bigger world. There is a life uh, for Jessica outside of this. You know, just just very briefly, you kind of see her getting ready for her first ever shift as a police officer. You get to meet her mom as opposed to hear her over the phone and they have a more in-depth conversation. There are more locations. There's more establishing of the town. Um, there's establishing that the town is sort of um, maybe tonight is a special night. I think I think without getting into too big of a spoiler, but shit's going down in the town on her way to her first shift. She looks around and is like, hmm, something's off tonight. And some people would say, oh, what is it? A full moon tonight? You know, like shit like that. Like you can see that something the the the, the day is already weird to begin with. And now I got to go do this thing. Now I got to go to this decommissioned police station and with the intention now this is so much different the intention of finding out why my dad died why why what happened to him happened to him we're not going to get into that quite yet because that's spoiler stuff um i do want to talk about the way they made use of more budget more meant more more of everything right so first of all more location feels bigger scale feels bigger more gore um, you talked about wanting to see better cinematography. We talked about the idea of like more shadow play that's going on in there. There's definitely more of that. This is a more colorful, rich, textured place. What, you, you complained a lot about the police station being way too barren and looking like an office. How'd you feel about the look of it this time around? That was one of the biggest improvements. This, this, the remake Malum was shot in a decommissioned police station in Louisville, Kentucky. And it looked like a rundown police station complete with bars and cells. And it was dingy and beat up and the ceiling tiles were gone and the lights were, you know, half broken and all dark and shadowy. And this felt like a jail. And I know we talked about yeah. in the last episode that, you know, you had said that, like, you know, there were police stations in California that looked very much like the last shift, very, very bright white walls. It looks like an office. But again, to the layman, to myself that doesn't know that, I was like, it looks like an office building. It didn't look like a, it did. And it didn't really look run down. You know, it didn't really look run down at all. It looked yeah. like a, it looked like a building that had been taken under Chapter Six bankruptcy, and they were just selling off the pieces of the of the, of the building. Uh, this one felt like a decommissioned police station. It was dark and dingy and beat up and run down. Uh, gross walls, rot. Yeah, the 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 jail cells were disgusting. Uh, the entire place looked like it was about you know ten years past its expiration date. And that immediately set the tone in a little different way than the last shift because 
immediately you get the feeling that you are in a rundown, beat up, broken down police station. And that little bit of aesthetic does make a difference. And it made a difference for me in this film right away. I was kind of like, okay, this is different and kind of cool. And even though I obviously, because at that point I'd seen the last shift, I had an idea of what was probably going to happen. I mean, again, this is still ultimately reimagined. They don't reinvent the wheel with this film. Um, it still felt new because the location felt so different. It felt like what I wanted the first. Now, to be fair, I really enjoyed the first film. I would go as far as say I loved it. I really liked the first film. That yeah. was probably my only real complaint was the location just didn't look right for what you're telling me it is. You know what I mean? That's like you can like a lot of times in Hollywood, you know this as well as I do, Patrick, when you're on a working on a certain budget, they'll try to dress up other things to look like other things. Like they'll take a, a school, a, an old rundown school and try to turn it into a hospital. And it just right. doesn't look right. Like you can tell, like it just doesn't look like a hospital. And there's other examples, a million examples in films where they try to transform, transform one place to look like another place. Sometimes it works. Other times you're kind of like, yeah, I know this isn't what you're trying to tell me it is. That's what I felt like. Was, now for everything I liked about last shift, that was kind of like my, my one minor complaint was it didn't look like a police station. This one does. And this one looks like a rundown, dingy, beat up ass, police station where you could see why they're shutting this place down and you yeah. mentioned now i will get i'll start right off the bat with a bit of a complaint with this film um you talked about we get a bigger world we get jessica in her apartment we get jessica driving we get jessica at the at the graveyard one thing that worked really really well with the last shift that i like so much is because it was so isolated it was so self-contained in the police station it almost felt like in this film, and again, we're, I understand we're going to make a lot of comparisons. It's impossible not to, because now we've seen the first one moving on to, again, a reimagined sequel. Not a sequel, a reimagined version of the same film. The little bits and pieces that they added outside of the police station at the beginning of the film felt a little, a little like, I won't say pointless. That seems that's a little harsh. Felt a little bit like we have the money, so let's show it, if that makes sense. Like, we got it, so let's kind show of. it. And it felt like you could have kept it a little smaller and made it a little bit more so. Because that, to me, was part of the charm of Last Shift, is it all takes place in this police station. You never leave the confines of this police station outside of going out the front door, going out the back door. That's it. This film, even though that's a, it's a very minor thing at the beginning, like five minutes, it still felt like kind of like, why are we here, to me? I'll agree with that, actually, um, or at least in part, because I don't I didn't gain anything from her apartment other than the conversation on the phone. Um, and then I didn't gain a lot from the graveyard. In fact, the graveyard actually was puzzling because I was like, how did her mom know she was here? Like, mm -hmm. it, it was just weird. Like she's visiting her dad's grave before she goes to work. And then her mom shows up and I was like, like, OK, uh, OK, like it made it raised the wrong question. <laughs> which I, it kind of pulled me out of the movie a little bit. So I was like, wow, you definitely could have shaved those things off. Now, what I would have probably kept or maybe condensed would have been go ahead and condense all that run up with her mom to a phone call as she's driving in to the station. So, cause I kind of liked, they had a couple of, you know, either drone, I'm pretty sure it was drone shots rather than helicopter or, or it was like, um, what a stock footage that you buy of them sweeping over this town. 
Um, I liked that if you kind of started with that and then you zeroed in on her cop car driving through and seeing so, some of the chaos that's ensuing and being able to talk to her mom on the phone and kind of establish that little moment and then get into the into the police station, get into all of what we're going to be dealing with over the night, because ultimately it does sort of stay contained. It just there's a bigger world. There's a couple of things I'm dancing around because I don't want to get into spoilery stuff yet. Um so there, there's things that make the world bigger, even though we stay at the police station for the rest of the night. They use some techniques and some some additional footage. Let's put it that way for now um, that make the world bigger. But, yeah, that early stuff, I was like, this does feel like you're just like, well, we have the money. Let's shoot. Let's shoot it instead of just finding a way to condense it into the scene. And I, and I was just like right off. It, it set a weird tone right off the top where I was like, this definitely could have gone uh, on the cutting room floor. You could you could have shortened this. But I got to remember, too, there are a lot of people that will go see Malum and have no reference for Last Shift. So it's almost it's almost like, uh, are we are we going to be a little unfair to Malum because we know so much about Last Shift when we like it? Maybe the only other person in the theater with me had already seen Last Shift multiple times and they and I'll save their opinion for for later down the road as well. So I wonder if we aren't we aren't a little tainted from it because we saw them in such close proximity to each other and we're comparing them and we're kind of hyper focused on them right now. Whereas maybe a casual uh, moviegoer would have seen those first couple of scenes and gone, OK, that's fine. They're just setting this world up. No big deal. Yeah, I think if, if I had seen Last Shift, you know, in 2014, 2015 and maybe seen it once since then and then saw this. I'd have a much different relationship. I'm not going to lie. I am because I saw last shift within a day of seeing, uh, you know, it was seeing Malum. So of course it was fresh in my head. It was very fresh in my head. So yeah, there is going to be a certain level of bias there. Now I will say the opening of, of last shift was kind of, I'm not, it's not, a, not an insult by any means. It was just kind of like, it, it, you're, it's just, you're right into the story. You're basically in the cop car with Jessica, uh, with, uh, officer Jessica Lauren. She's on the phone with her mom. And then she goes to the police station, immediately has kind of a weird interaction with the officer she's taking over for for the night. But then it just kind of gets in the story. You're there. The opening to this film actually goes back in time a little bit. And again, I'm not going to get into spoilers of what it was. We all know. Listen, just to be clear, I mean, if you if you're listening, even if you haven't seen Last Shift. The premise of the story sets around again, the, the officer going to this decommissioned police station to babysit it for a night before it basically gets shut down permanently because everything's move, moving to a new police station down the street. Um, but this particular police officer, Jessica Lauren, is going there specifically because she wants to know more about her father who has died, who is also involved in a big police action to take down this murder cult, for lack of a better word, this this kind of David Koresh meets Charles Manson murder satanic cult. And he was part of the group that took them down and saved a, saved a few girls from being murdered by this murder cult. We don't see that except we don't really see any of that in the last shift. We hear about it and they tell us. And again, understanding they're working with a tiny budget, you probably couldn't have shot a lot of that. The opening of this film does take us back in time mm-hmm. to a year earlier. Again, I'm not going to tell you what mm-hmm. happens, but it's a year earlier. One of my favorite parts of Malum, start to finish, was the opening. Yeah. I loved the opening, and yeah. it caught me off guard. And here, listen, I'll be. I'm listen. I'm guilty. I'm admitting it. It was different from last shift, so I didn't see it coming. That was first off. 
because this has this this was completely different and it caught me off guard with what happened again i know i'm dancing around what actually happened because it's a big spoiler uh we will get into that in just a few minutes we get into categories again the spoilers but i love the opening the first like three minutes the third first four it caught me so off guard and threw me complete i thought i knew it was going to happen patrick i 100 percent sat there in my seat saying i called it i know it's going to happen and then it didn't and when you can fool me as a guy who watches like four horror films a week (laughs) then you've done something good good job anthony de blasi and scott polly because i did not see this opening coming what happened and i was like damn good job this was a great opening it really is and boy it's it's tough we we'll probably have to get the spoilers early for sure but that that opening is i think it achieves what they intended which was they wanted to reimagine the world a little bit clearly with what they had to work with and the, the limitations they had to work with on last shift they were like man there's all these things i would probably like to play with with this story that i have to throw out the window because we need to be efficient we need to find a way to make it all work just in this one little space being able to open the world up and actually explore her father's side of things which you never really do in last shift yeah. you can only you can only kind of surmise it from what had happened in the past and what she has to talk about and what the other surrounding people who who knew her dad can talk about in this you can explore his life a little bit um so that was really appreciated and boy did they i think they took some of that ingenuity and that can-do spirit and made an opening that was super clever and i was like damn okay gloves are off here we go um you know they they promise in in their uh in their talk-ups about this that it's going to be the bigger badder gorier nastier version of last shift that they always wanted to make um and again what was that ultimately a benefit or or a hindrance we'll we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more but yeah i, I kind of i want to sink my teeth into that opening because it's some good shit well also so let's again before we get to spoilers because there's gonna be a lot of people listening to this like you're dancing around a lot of stuff i will say like one big choice they made early on and they made a big point of this in all the interviews you read, you read with Anthony DeBloss. There's a lot of interviews out there about it. They made a big point of the uh, the change in the in the juxtaposition of the lead character being sent there versus choosing to go there. Those are two di- just two diametrically different choices made in these films. In Last Shift, Officer Jessica Lauren is sent there. In Malum, she goes there of her own volition. She wants to be there. She chose this job because she wants to understand what actually happened. And also, the other thing that, that is so different about Malum uh, is we dive a lot more into the demon devil cult. Um, that doesn't really get a ton of exploration in last shift beyond a couple of flashes here and there and a little bit of exposition, which we kind of joked about in the last episode that was a little too convenient when they just kind of like a police officer just kind of tells her a story and you're kind of like, okay, you did this because you can't show it because you don't have the budget. I get it, but it was a little cheesy because it was like a little convenient. This film, they show it to you because they have the budget. They actually show you a lot more involved with this murder call. They keep calling them a murder call because I don't know a better word for them. Uh, I think they in the in the movie they call them the Malum flock. Yeah, they are very disturbing. Uh, you know exactly what you would imagine someone talking about like a demon worshiping uh, cult of people who are willing to sacrifice humans you know for the good of their deity so to speak Um, there's a lot more in that you get a lot more time with the leader in this movie is John Malum instead of John Michael 
Payman. John Michael Payman was Payman. the other one. Yeah, that's the other one. Sorry. It's, we just did that episode, and I'm already, we just did that episode recently, and I'm already <laughs> like, uh, what was it? Um, John Michael Payman. This one is John Malum. And different and different mm-hmm. actors. This, oh, By the way, there's only one carryover from actor in this entire film, and it is the woman who plays the prostitute in The Last Shift. She also plays the prostitute in Malum, and that's because she is Anthony de Blasi's wife. He, she plays mm-hmm. both parts. She's literally the only carryover from one film to the next. Um, so that's all we're getting. We don't get the same actors any way, shape, or form besides those that one part. Um, but so we do spend a lot more time with the murder cult. Um, and so that's a big difference in this film. We don't spend a ton of time with them. So we do get a lot more backstory in that way. And the other thing I could say without, I, I probably, this isn't a, really a spoiler is the ties. Cause again, the last film felt like we were, we were following a character that was being thrown into a situation and she had to deal with it. This is a character choosing to be where she's at because she wants to find answers. Yeah. And that really changes the, the, the kind of storytelling we're getting in this film because She's seeking out answers versus having things thrust upon her. And that's a whole other animal. We joked in the last episode, Patrick, we did our favorite, one, one of my favorite categories now is could we survive this horror film? I joked, I said, no, I would survive it because the first weird shit that happened, I'd just be gone. I'd sit out in my car and be there. What I like about Malum so well is that they set it up from the very beginning that Jessica can't leave. Why can't she leave? She wants to know why and what happened to her dad. That's why you stay. They gave her a more personal connection because you said you were flummoxed. A lot of choices made in the first one where weird things would happen. And then the character would just go back to work as if nothing happened. This film, there's weird things that happen. that would 100% see you running for the door. But because they set up the premise so well in this film to say she needs to be there, she wants to be, she has to be there. She needs these answers. And you and I know on a personal level, if it was your family or my family and we were desperate to know what happened to someone we loved, there's no amount of ghosts or demon cults or whatever that are going to get you off that path. And I like that they they set that up right away. So that way, in the back of your head, when you're having that moment saying, get the fuck out, run for the door, (laughs) you know she can't because she needs answers. And that's why she stays. And also, but not only that, like there are moments where she she does the get the I'm getting the fuck out of here thing. And then they 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 block her from doing that. And, and, And without getting any spoilers, basically. Uh, one of my favorite things to do in horror is make your character make a logical choice and then the antagonist or the monster or whatever is a step ahead of their logical choice. They make the logical choice and it doesn't work. That happens in this movie without telling you what happens. That happens in this movie. But And then what always pulls her back is just a little bit more information about her father shows so she she'll be like ah fuck this fuck this all right i i I got too close to the fire i'm getting out well now i can't get out shit oh but then now i can descend deeper because now there's another clue and i talked about clues a lot in last shift now there's another clue that will uncover what happened with my father a little bit better so she makes a logical step to like get the fuck out can't do it is stuck sees a new clue and then escalates further, descends deeper into the uh, into the cave to try and find the thing. So they they use those they use the fact that they can open the world up in in multiple ways. Like they're 
you could see that they had a bigger plan all along. Like I, I felt that when watching Malum, I go, yeah, okay. They did mean to expand this world in a much bigger way. They do it here in Malum. So before we get to spoilers, let's ask this question because I guess one of the biggest questions at the end of the day, and we're going to, obviously we're going to get into spoilers. So we're going to talk a lot more and, and, and more in depth with the story and the choices that were made. But this did this did feel bigger. It obviously was. It was a lot bigger, a lot more budget, a lot more effects, things like that. We talked about the world was bigger. Um, ultimately, though, did did this did this film feel like they made the right choices when it came to remaking what they remade and how it how it went? Because here's my one complaint, and this is not getting into spoilers. This is just a very overarching theme of this movie that I would say is probably my biggest issue. They changed the story a lot from movie to movie, which again, you have, I mean, if you're just going to make a straight remake, you could and just make it bigger and that's fine. But they had a grander vision for this film that they couldn't do on the other one because of budgetary constraints. And I get that. I understand that. They make it bigger in this film and they go much, much deeper into the story, especially with the connection for the lead character, Jessica Lauren and the murder cult and her family and the murder cult and like the ties to that. By the end of the film, you really devolve into that relationship between the cult and her and her family. And there were a lot of choices made towards the end of this film that were confusing. And when I say don't make sense, like as in like I didn't understand it. Yeah, there's elements that I didn't understand it, but this didn't make sense in terms of it almost felt like they were trying too hard. If that makes like one of the things we applauded last shift for was not going outside themselves. Now that's not even with story. That's I'm talking about effects in that one. When they they made choices that we said, great job sticking within your boundaries. The difference with this one, I would say they went outside their boundaries with the story. They went a little too far with the story. And that is my biggest issue with this film. Now, there's a lot I like about this film. We will. It's so hard to dance around the spoiler. We got to get into spoilers in a second. Um, but I will say the changes that they made worked in a lot of ways. But when they went outside their boundaries this time, it was with the story specifically. And to me, a lot of that didn't work. I do agree with you on that. I think on the effect side, on the on the on just on the, on the visuals and the and the production quality, everything went up. I can't complain about that part of it. They use their money wisely um, and they didn't, they tried not to repeat tricks for the most part, actually. They tried to do their new stuff with, with, with that. So I appreciated that, but you are right. With the new budget came this idea of like, well, let's, let's take a look at all of the story, the grander story, as big as we can get it. And it started to feel like they were throwing everything because they could afford to throw everything. They threw everything at us. Some of that stuff probably could have been left aside. It, 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 uh, that's how it felt. Uh, again, dancing around a lot of details here, but I was just like, oh, okay. Like now, unen- I say unencumbered. Believe me, it, it's not like they got a hundred million dollars. They, they probably got, you know, I don't, I don't know what they got, but I know they had enough to at least feel comfortable. But we're probably still like, eh, you know, we're still, we're still scraping by every day. Some of that stuff could have been trimmed away. The story could have been streamlined a little bit better because it did feel like, man, there's just so much coming at me that by the end, I was very confused. My notes were, were basically to try and track what was happening because I was like, OK, so now this, but then it's this or is it that? 
now it's that is it this and it was like and literally every time i would take a new note there was a new element added and so it became like they could afford all the elements but did they need to use them yeah again it just felt like they went it felt like they had a, a grander story and then they're just as you said it's like it was like they were making a stew and they're like well we need onions and carrots and peas but hell we have the money let's go ahead and throw in the squash and the, you know, and the every other vegetable beef. we got in the, yeah, and the dragon beef fruit and the, everything we're gonna throw it all in there and again a lot of it works a lot of it works really really well but it felt like the story in particular whereas the last film i applauded them for staying within their boundaries with the effects this film the effects are great the look of the film is tremendous the cinematography everything's great and it feels bigger and it works it does not feel like a small film the last one felt like a small film but i don't mean that as an insult i'm just saying like it was was a small film but it felt that way like it, it felt like a very small low budget film this film doesn't this film and i don't know what kind of money they had i know they had more money but they didn't have like oodle they didn't have like james cameron money uh what they had though worked the effects were great the performances for the most part i'll get into one performance i didn't really dig in this film um later but for the most part that all worked the execution worked the effects were great but it just felt like they're like okay we have more money we can tell it we can tell the story as we intended to tell it originally and it just felt like it went a little too far some of the choices Mm. they made with the story i was kind of all right like i get it but I'm kind of like you where I was like, but is that what's happening? And then I'm like, but why? Huh? And it's just, a, it was a little weird and it just felt a little, I don't You know what it felt like, Patrick? Honestly, it felt like when I saw Last Shift, that felt like a film I'd never seen before. Yes. Malum, story-wise, felt like a film I'd seen before. I've seen a version yeah. of this story before. And it's not, yeah, and it's not yeah, bad. Was... It's not bad. It just felt like I've been here before. And it's not, I'm not saying and, like, and I guess like we multiple movies. Yeah. It's not, yes, we know last shift and Malum are based on the same. I'm not saying it like yeah. that. I'm saying like the storyline last shift was so original. I was like, wow, this is something like, I didn't see this coming. This was yeah. really cool. This one with Malum. I was like, I know this story. I've seen this story. I kind of like this story, but I've seen it before and it didn't feel as original. And maybe again, listen, I admit I'm guilty of comparing. I am. We're all going to be guilty of comparing a little bit, but when it came to the story, while it's not bad, not at all, it felt like they went a little too far in some elements. They tried too hard. And then, as I said, I've been here before. I've seen that version of this story mm-hmm. in other films. And that again, kind of bummed me out a little bit because the story in the other one was so original, so fresh and so new. And that, and, and I agree with you. And it's not because we just saw last shift. It is. I, as I put myself in the shoes of a, of a moviegoer who hadn't seen anything, I would have been like, a, I'm a little bit confused and B, this feels a little bit like that movie. And it feels a little bit like that movie. And it feels a little bit like that movie. Like it felt, I don't want to say derivative. That sounds rude because I, 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 this is still, by the way, their story. So it, it's not derivative. It's still very much de Blasi's story. So, uh, but it, but it's just sort of like, Hmm, like it didn't, it didn't strike me as original and it didn't strike me as uh as coherent like something about the boiled down version in last shift was coherent there was a through line there was clues and reveals this was sort of like reveal 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 uh and then some more revealing and some more revealing and you're just like whoa whoa okay a lot there's a lot coming at me pal um and and yeah it 
that that's probably where it hampered itself a little bit by just putting in everything that was sitting on the table waiting to get made in the last one that couldn't some of that stuff could have stayed on the table some of it some of it pays off to great effect we're going to talk about it in a second here some of that new stuff i was like oh cool i like that very much um are, are we ready should we do it yeah Damon? let's get, get into these damn spoilers let's get into spoilers there's so much we can't talk about with so if you haven't seen malum it's in theaters right now uh, i i love seeing horror films in theaters i mean it's just it's a totally different experience don't get me wrong i love watching films at home i've seen a lot of great films on on streaming services netflix shutter hello shutter um hey, all the other places out there screen box also i want to i want to be clear and say that i do love streaming and i enjoy seeing films at home but there's nothing like like seeing a film in a theater and Malum is in theaters right now. So I would, again, recommend seeing in theaters if you can, if you haven't, and I will gonna... say, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say too. And if, if you guys just didn't listen to the last episode, cause this is a two-parter, you can see the last shift, the movie that this is based on. Uh, it's on Peacock and Tubi. Yes, but this film, Malum, is now in theaters. So we are now going to get into spoilers. If you haven't seen Malum, be aware. We are now going to get into spoilers. Let's let's start with the positive before we get to, to categories, Patrick, and let's talk about that opening because, my God, that Ooh. opening was incredible because the opening okay. of this film takes you a year earlier with the aftermath of uh, Will Lauren, who is Jessica Lauren's dad. He was a hero cop who, who raided the compound of this uh, psycho murder clan uh, the Malum flock, as you mentioned, and he, you know, a bunch of girls were murdered, a lot of people, but he did manage to save three girls. And ultimately the, 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 the flock of people were killed. The, the leader, John, uh, Malum and his weird, I don't know, sister wives or whatever you want to call them. They were all, Something. they were all eventually hey. eradicated. So at the beginning of the movie, right away, we meet her father, Will Lauren, and the other cops are in like a locker room all getting ready. And they're just like joking around, you know, very jovial, like, you know, and, and they're basically, you know, calling him a hero because that's what he is. Um, and then it just changes on a dime. And it caught me so off guard because we see him like he, he sees this picture of him and his daughter. And then we see him. We see him find this little story, this little newspaper clipping of hero cop saves three and raid. And we see a picture of John Malum, except the picture has been kind of blurred out like a, almost like a bullet holes through it. Maybe they blurred it out or this was done on purpose. The people who put it in his locker, but he's kind of, he doesn't, I don't know. He feels really uncomfortable with this role. And so he takes down the thing, crumbles it up in a pile and throws it down to the bottom of the locker. But you can tell something's off with him. Like he's not there, mm -hmm. but at the beginning, what does, what works so well is you're thinking, man, he's just traumatized. Like he's traumatized because yeah. they try to make him a hero. And he's like, well, I didn't save everybody. You know, they're yeah. like, you're a hero, man. You saved three girls. He's like, well, I didn't save everybody. So at the, be at the beginning, I'm like, damn, like he's really feeling it. Like he's being legitimately like guilty because he saved three, but he didn't save 10. Okay. And then you go to the shooting gallery where these two cops are in there and they're talking about like a hookup they had very casual, you know, whatever conversation. And then out of nowhere, Will Lauren just comes in and executes both these cops. And he basically goes on a killing spree in this police station and just kills a bunch of people. And at the very end, when they corner him in a cell or they corner him in the moment, he says some weird shit. And then he puts the shotgun in his mouth, blows his head off. Did not see any of that coming because I was like, okay, yeah. they're setting it up to show us her dad in the beginning. I was like, okay, this is cool. Love the opening. When they when they flipped it, made him kill everyone. I was like, what the fuck? What's going on? I did not see this coming. 
it was so great because on the level for uh, last shift fans, which you and I now are, it was a great uh, pull the rug out from under you moment because we're we know the story um, from last shift as as him as a hero completely, co- completely unequivocally a hero. We never expected him to be um, to to murder his colleagues on top of all that. That we never saw that part coming. It added a whole new wrinkle. And if you were a newcomer and you'd never heard of Last Shift, you just came to see this horror movie Malum. There's one fucked up opening of a movie. It just was. And right before you, right before that, uh, before they show him, they show the very first piece of footage is found footage of the crime scene yeah. of the, or not of the crime scene, but what, of, what the Malum flock is actually doing to these women. And there's just a glimpse of it. It's just home video of them, kind of disturbing home video of them singing and having a good time. And there's a couple of girls that don't look like they're having a good time. And then a few minutes later, those couple of girls are having a very bad time in the, in the form of being bludgeoned to death and killed. Um, and then it cuts to, uh, you know, this this moment in the police station where they're celebrating the victory. They are looking at Will Lauren as a hero because he saved three girls from what was going to be a horrific slaughtering. We saw a little piece of what could have happened. Will Lauren stopped three of those four girls from being viciously murdered. But he ain't feeling right. It doesn't look right. Things don't feel right. And then, bam, talk about, oh, my God, that fucking scene in the in the shooting gallery is so fucking traumatic. It's like, whoa, 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 what, whoa, what are we doing? What's happening? And then people just start dying like very quickly. And then he's dead. And then you get into one year later Which, and then you meet. Go ahead. That's where my, that's where my problem starts right there. All one right. year later. Let's hear it. One year later. Why not 10 years later? It seems like that, like one year later yeah. seems really soon. Like it like yeah. the last one, they didn't, they never told you a timeline on when, because we find out through the course of the last shift that our officer, Jessica Lauren is working at the same police station where her father used to work. And as you mentioned, her father was a hero who worked to take down this cult, but he died in the line of duty, basically taking down this cult. Um, and he died a hero. Now we never get a sense of how much longer it is after that, but it doesn't feel like it was like, it feels like she grew up without her dad and kind of took up being becoming a police officer to honor him i think that's safe to say right like you know like 10 years later five years later whatever the fact that this all happens a year later just feels really soon like really really soon very soon and also so like i don't know i like i know it's not like a year-long process to become a cop you can go through like police academy in, in a shorter amount of time but like it just felt like the connection between Jessica and her father was so much closer yet. They felt so distant in this film. Like it almost felt like she didn't know her dad in a way yet. Mm -hmm. She's like 23. So she had to know her dad for a long time. She was 22 and he died. Like, I think that is right, right where the problem started for me. Cause I'm like, if they had said that he died when she was a kid, and now 10 years later, she wanted to become a cop. And now she's desperate to find out what actually happened to her father. I get it. That yeah, makes sense. That would work. But one year later, it just felt so soon. And a lot of this film feels like Jessica doesn't know her dad. Like the way they sell it, it feels like she doesn't know her father that well. You're 22 or she can't be that old. She's 20, 22. She feels like somewhere in there. Yeah. It feels like she didn't really have that relationship with her dad in this film, the way they sell it. They sell it again, very much like the first film where you felt like he died before they, like they show a picture early on of her with him as a child. 
and and you kind of get the sense that like she didn't grow up with him. And this one, they try right. the same trick, except they tell you it's one year later. So I'm just like, huh? Yeah. Like, so at 22, like she had to know she was already going to become a cop. Like it was, I don't know. It just didn't work for me in that way that it was so soon after her dad literally executed himself. And now, and it also felt like disingenuous in the story that the cops would send her to, they, they would allow her to choose that shift and they would send her there knowing that her, it was her dad who did all this and he went out on a murder spree. It just felt really, it, it felt like wrong in that moment that that would happen. It raised so many questions. This is just being a Malum viewer. Not, I, I don't even have to have watched the last shift to ask these questions. Like it, it makes me ask too many questions that are strange. Now, one thing I will defend and you say they kind of, she kind of acts like she doesn't know her dad. She knew her dad as her hero, as her, like, there are times when she talks about him in great reverence, but what I would argue is that once that incident happened, maybe she realizes I didn't know my dad. Okay. And that was the tone that I picked up. And I was like, okay, I see that. But it was just so weird that like, I'm sorry, one year later <laughs> and, and all the cops and even the cop, the, the, they still had the same scene where she, she comes to the station. She talks to um, the Sergeant, uh, Sergeant Cohen. And he's like, you're, Oh, you're, you're Lauren, you're officer Lauren's kid. Like he didn't know, like he didn't, like he did not know. Come yeah. of course he knew. They all knew everything. They knew every, it was odd. It was a really odd thing to make it a one year later thing. Yeah. I it, think was it was super, super weird. If it was like five years later or 10 years later, I think it would have worked a lot be, better. Five would have been okay. Yeah, I would have been like, just, okay. Five years no then she, maybe she was like 16 or something yeah. when it happened. Yeah. Okay. Five there's years no is fine. There's no distance. There's no distance. This is still fresh in everyone's head a fresh. year later. A year like, would later. she pass a would she pass an officer psych test? Yeah, like, in the psych test, they go, "I'm sorry, your dad murdered a bunch of cops <laughs> for the same police force you're going to work for." Yeah, we're not passing your psych test. Like well, you're not even passing. Even if they pass the psych test, there's no way on there's no way on earth she's going to be the last cop to, to work at that. Even if she requests, yeah, especially, the, especially, the- especially if she requests it. If they, they're like, hold on now, why are you <laughs> requesting you work at the place where your dad went on a murder spree on the one year anniversary? This is a little convenient, lady. Uh, yeah, no, especially because she requested it, Damon. <laughs> Red flags and like, and everywhere. Yeah, like humongous red flag. Like what on what planet would any of the officers say that was the problem? They kind of over-engineered that. Yeah. And they didn't need to. They didn't need to do all, they did a lot of explaining of, of that. And and her saying explicitly, like, I wanted to serve uh, under my dad. She kind of made it an honor thing. Like I kind of wanted to restore his honor by doing this. But I'm like, dude, this is a fresh wound. Yeah. I mean, very fresh. For this whole department, for this entire police department, there's no way a year later they're like, yeah, we'll just let his daughter come in here with a gun. Yeah. Like, I like, think it just doesn't track. I just think of all the, tr- and I'm not trying to listen. This is a movie, it's fictional. Okay. But, <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, of course. We have a lot of real life tragedies that happen around us, shootings, things like that. There is yeah. no universe where anyone in that person's family would get to come back a year later and like be the patrolman over a school or over, over a hospital or no. that yeah, never no, it's happened. Just, it just, it's just not, not believable. Place and time. It's just not no. believable that they would, they would allow her to be there one year later after. And again, distance is the key. Five years later, mm-hmm. it works. 
You know what I mean? Five years would have worked. And they're and they're yeah. and, and they're and they're razzing her like the other cops are are basically harassing her about it. Like they're basically saying like your dad like you know they're kind of giving her a hard time. They're kind of hazing her for this. Well, yeah, it's a year later. Of course you're gonna haze her. This is yeah. still very fresh in your mind. Um, that was probably the thing I bumped up against the most right at the beginning because I was like one when they literally flashed it up on the screen and said one year later. I was like one year later. I was like, yeah, good not, lord! Not here. <laughs> I was like, not one year one, later, not one, yeah, we not one, yeah. It just Please felt not one. really soon. Uh, real quick, before we get to categories, let's also talk about the the because a big part of the change in this story is the demon cult, the devil cult, the may the Malum clan. And we talked about, you know, this film felt like where we where we praised last year for being wholly original for the most part, and it felt like this film pulled from other elements from films. It's funny because the one film that this really reminded me of at the end of the movie was the movie Hereditary. Now, mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. nothing wrong with pulling reference from that movie because Hereditary is pretty incredible. Um, and it's yeah, funny if you because be compared. Yeah, it's pretty funny because the 2014 film, the leader of the cult was John Michael. Uh, what is it? Payman. John Payman, Michael Payman. Payman yeah. is the demon that they're worshiping in Hereditary. It, I'm quite sure it's totally coincidental because Payman is a real, well, he's a he's a historical demon king, whatever. He, from like, he does exist in the in the actual occultist uh, yeah, sphere. Like yeah. It's not some made up name they had in Hereditary. It was like a real like there's a real demon name Payman. So it's kind of funny that that and then obviously you go back to uh you go back to um, Malum, and it felt like there were a lot of elements of hereditary and the choices they made in the second half of this film in terms of Jessica's relationship to the cult and how basically she was self-chosen since birth to serve as the queen to John Malum's king of the underworld or of this demon, you know, this demon, well, they call him the low God in this film. It's not payment anymore. It's low. It's the low God. God. And that's basically like, he's the King and she's going to be his queen. And she's been ordained since birth to be his queen. Again, not a huge, I don't bump up against it a lot. It's a difference and that's fine. The choice they made, but it just felt like really odd the way they went about getting there. And as I said, with this one, it felt like they went outside their boundaries to tell that story. Yeah. And I, and I wouldn't call this derivative of, of um, hereditary because I'm sure they were both, both Ari Aster and, uh, and, and de Blasi were pulling from actual like lore for payment. And so those things lined up together. And if you look at the timelines for when last shift was created and he probably wrote most of last last shift well before 2016, um, or 2014, 2014. Yeah. Yeah, 2014. I mean, uh, uh, Hereditary came out 2018. Yeah. So basically on timeline wise, there's no way that like I'm even remotely trying to claim that de Blasio was like copying Hereditary or anything. I think it's just the lore for payment lines up. It, you know, it's it's a lore anyone could look up if they wanted to look up these 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 occultist gods. And so those things lined up. And so there is that portion of it. But then you sort of get into like. Um, you know, the, 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 the Malum flock, which are, there's a lot of these, uh, what do you call what they call They call them the Manson girls. I can't remember what they used to call the Manson girls. That's probably what they call them. I mean, the Manson family, they were the family, right? So you get, you get a lot of like uh, a lot of those of, of the disciples of, 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 uh, of Malum and, and 
that feels derivative of, of a lot of different movies. Like I've kind of seen that. And then you get to actually, you finally at one point get to Malum himself, John Malum, I believe he goes by. Yeah. Does he go by John? Malum? Yeah, it's John Malum. Yeah. John Malum. Yeah. Yeah. And that character, I almost like, I really loved how they started with him and that found footage when they go to him, like the, the, the video sort of starts to, uh, distort like and you can't see his face and then when they go to will officer will lauren on the on the on the on the little article on the little blurb you can't see his face and i was like oh i like this i like this like he's mysterious in that way you shouldn't see his face in that way and i was like this is an interesting little misdirect what they're doing with him like maybe we're not supposed to see his face and then when they kind of like show that jessica indeed was like tied to john malam all along i was like Oh, is it because he is John Malum? Like, is Will John Malum? And that was like his alias or something. And then he became a cop and did all this. It was an unnecessary, like, road I went down. And it did not pan out that way. It was not supposed to be that way. And then once they revealed John Malum, I was like, oh, wait, no, it's a totally different guy. So why did we bother with the distortion of his face? And I I didn't quite pick up why that was happening yeah i had the same thought i thought that was going to be like a twist like we were going to realize who this was like we're going to meet him and then realize that's john malam in some way shape or form and also the whole backstory of her being ordained since birth like her mother was part of this cult and her dad got her out of it and then like she was kind of ordained to be the queen of the underworld from the beginning that just felt a little again it felt so familiar it felt like i've seen this a hundred times i think it would have been again i'm not listen I'm not telling them how to tell their story. I promise you I'm not. But like in my head, I was thinking like it would have worked just as easily if like she's being targeted now as revenge for her dad, you know, breaking up their cult and busting them. And they they infected him, which led him to go on a murder spree. And now they're basically they're still going after his kin by going after his daughter for basically still making him pay. And now they're making her pay for his past sins. I didn't really need the weird scene where he's holding her as a baby and he's chanting and like the whole thing. It was her mom was in the call. That was like, again, that just felt like, okay, I've seen this. This just felt old and it felt like I've seen this movie before. And it just felt like that they were trying to throw in a twist there that didn't need to be there. Like I said, all they had to do was just say that like, we're just going in the whole idea of her becoming the queen of the underworld or the queen to his king could just be as simple as listen this is your this is your punishment for your dad executing our clan and and you know rid you know basically uh, you know killing our cults we're gonna take you as like sacrifice that's all they had to do they didn't need the whole you know my mom was in the call and here's the baby right. and like they had all this weird that was footage that extra and element I was it was just about. it was just like too much like it just again it felt so familiar whereas again like again it just it just felt unnecessary even I, w- I would say it doesn't even necessarily need to be familiar maybe not everybody sees that it just became too much yeah it was just a lot like i would have been perfectly happy if john malum was just like you have like soiled the sanctum that is the Malum flock, and now you will pay. And I actually like the part where, where John Malum makes it clear to Officer Will Lauren, like, I'm coming for everything that you value. Yeah. I will. Like and in this fine. life or the that's next. That's all we needed. I, I was I loved that. I was yeah. like, cool. I'm in for that. But then when you added in the mom, I was like, okay, wait, so does that mean like it just created questions where I didn't need them? Yeah. Um, and I bet that was something it was like, yeah, we have this big grand kind of like 
incestuous world that it all exists in. But once you put it to, once you put it into the edit bay, you can go, Oh, actually we could take out the mom part. Like that doesn't, that doesn't make this stronger, Yeah. but it was strong enough. Just hearing John Malum go, you will, Lauren will pay for this. You will pay for your indiscretions towards my flock by, by losing everything. And then, and then watching everything crumble around him. I, I would have been totally fine with that all, all on its own. hundred percent. That's all I needed. I did not need the extra stuff. Again, it just felt, that's where I was talking about earlier about going outside the boundaries. You're going too far to explain why it happened and adding in the past footage with the cult and the baby and the mom, the mom's part in this movie was really like, why she could have been a voice on a phone. Like she mm-hmm. could have been a voice on a phone the entire time. I, also, how about this? You needed her. I would argue you needed the mom less in this movie than you did in last shift. You probably could have even gotten rid of the mom character. I know that sounds crazy, but she didn't truly add something to this other didn't. than there's a big twist near the end. Yeah, she didn't add. And and one other element that I liked. And again, this is one comparison I'll make with this is when things things start escalating in the last shift in a very one, two, three, four, five kind of format. You know, you're going from step one to step two. Things keep escalating. Things kind of go crazy in a hurry in this film. Like they start getting really weird. And also like one thing right away in the last shift is when officer Jessica Lawrence sits down and she's at this police station and she's been told it's going to be a quiet night. All the calls have been rerouted, blah, blah, blah. Right away. She gets a call and it's a woman on the other end of the phone begging for help. I'm trying to get away they're coming after me. Help me, help me, help me. And it just keeps escalating. She gets multiple calls throughout the night. I've, I've gotten away. I'm, I'm away from my attacker, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, all this kind of stuff happens. And then at the end of that film, uh, spoilers, again, film's 10 years old almost, uh, you find out, like, the girl on the other end of that phone is one of the girls who died in the compound when they raided the whole the whole clan, the whole Manson family clan, whatever you want to call them. Uh, that's the Payman family. In this one... Jessica Lawrence starts getting calls taunting her. Yeah. Right away, they're escalating it. Like, they're like, we're going to make you pay, pig, and blah, blah, blah. And it just felt yeah. like it, it, it just it escalated it already to a point where I never really got the tease of like things building. You know, things didn't really build. It was like right, at, right away, you're hitting the brick wall. Like, it's a, you're going 90 miles an hour from the very start. Now, a lot of it worked, as you mentioned. The stuff with like the whole I'm going to make your family pay. And again, the intro with how they introduced uh, Officer Will Warren, all that great. That's all amazing stuff. I loved all that. But then when you start sprinkling in the call switching from someone asking for help to someone basically taunting her. So right away, she's got her guard up. They're calling her and saying, we're going to get you. We're going to get you. And, you know, little things like that kind of. And one thing I did like about this film like they explained, like they tried again. There were some things they over explained in this film, like the cult stuff. They went a little too far. One thing I did like though, is they set up from the very beginning where when we do see officer Lauren driving by the new police station, we see that things are already kind of going awry in this town. It's a little off on day one. Have you ever seen in the mouth of madness, uh, the John Carpenter film, brilliant film. Um, they basically talk about like, you know, like what's the line between sane and insane. It's only the line of where there's more people who are sane that are insane. If the insane were the greater number, the sane people would feel would be basically held as insane. If that makes sense. Things start escalating in that film where things start going really weird and odd and escalating and escalating. And then like, there's really something wrong with the world in, in the world of, in the mouth of madness. Um, 
the whole taunting thing at the beginning kind of took me out of that because you're never escalating it with, you're supposed to, a lot of the film, you're supposed to be living through the eyes of Jessica Loren. And when they escalate that right away, right away with the calls of the taunts. And then there's like a scene with a pig, which is also kind of odd. But right. the one credit I will give them is when they, when they start off in the world, uh, going back to the mouth of madness, when they start off in the world, at the beginning where you see these, this weird shits happening outside in this police station, you realize something's already going wrong. It's like devil's night. You know, there's already like weird shit happening right in this film. They kind of shy away from the supernatural where in the, in the first film, she just gets locked in the police station. You don't know why they actually set it up where they chain the police. They chain the doors closed. They're locking her in and you're thinking that the cult's coming for her from the outside in. So that's kind of like mm-hmm. the whole, the insane, they're taking over the sane. That's what I'm talking about. Like they've set it up from the very beginning. So that part I liked that part. I did like, they gave her a reason to be locked in there and she couldn't get out. So we talked earlier about, she had a reason to stay, even though weird shit was happening. And then when she did decide to get out, she couldn't because they locked her in. They gave her a reason to stay. Mm-hmm. That was all great. Again, I just keep banging my head against the whole cult thing. When they went too far with the connection where it seemed like she was always destined to end up here. And that was like a little too much for me. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. So like when she's driving in and you see all the chaos going on on the streets, it's because it's the one year anniversary of the death of John Payman. And it's supposedly like his disciples and copycats out there creating havoc across the city because they love John Payman. And they're, you know, this is their John fucking Malum. retaliation. John Malum. Don't forget John Malum, Malum. in this one. <laughs> Did I say John Malum? <laughs> you said, no, you said John Payman. You said John Payman. Oh, I said John Payman. Yeah, yeah, John Malum. They're, they're, they're all, they all love John Malum. So on the one-year anniversary, they're creating havoc in the city. Um, and then and then I, I actually liked the taunting call. I actually preferred it because I was like, oh, this is grounded. This keeps us in the grounded real world. But then when she's like countering by calling because they do that in last shift as well she calls the regular station and goes hey i'm being fucked with you need to see who these people are the guy on the other end is like kind of telling her like hey cool out just be just go with it stay stay there and i was like he's being awfully encouraging why Mm -hmm. is that and it turns out it does pay off because on the other line is not a cop it's john malum the problem is is that now that's just one more element so I'm like, okay, so she thought that the world was very tangible, but when she's on the phone with Malum, it's not tangible. Like, like I, I'm, I think it was a way to try to like subvert us and trick us by going, everything's real, but actually everything's not real. But then actually everything is real, but it's not, but it is, <laughs> but it's not. Like that, it keeps hap- that keeps happening through the movie with regard to the cult stuff. Yeah. You go, is it her is it all in her head or is the cult doing it in last shift it's like the cult cursed the room the cult cursed the station so that's why this is happening and she 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 is infected by that same curse and it will and it will lead to her demise in this it's like well we planned all this but you're also going to hallucinate and i don't know quite why you're going to hallucinate but you are and I'm like, okay, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not picking that part up to the point. She hallucinates in the, in last shift, she hallucinates and kills the hazmat guys thinking they're, they're disciples of payment in this. She thinks she's killing uh, a, a Malum disciple. She kills her mom. And I was like, okay, but is she not, is, how did she go crazy? Do you know how she went crazy? No. 
Well, that, that, okay, so it's not so just me because I, I get confused sometimes. There's moments where it feels like, again, where it feels like this film gets weird for the sake of being weird. Um, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I bump up against hugely, I'm not even going to get into my problems with Midsommar. It's a whole other issue of like being weird for the sake of being weird. Um, but this film, there is a, there's a part in this film where she finds a little USB drive, um, and she plugs it into her cop car. She gets her, she goes out to the cop car. One of the moments she actually leaves the building, she comes back with her, with her laptop that cops carry in their cars and she plugs it in and she realizes a lot of this is footage. Um, and interrogation footage of when her dad interrogated uh, John Malum when they arrested him after the raid on his compound. And it's very creepy. And, you know, you kind of see like the weird, like almost like he's almost infecting her father at that moment. Like when he says something to him quietly, you don't really hear. And he kind of walks out of the room and you're kind of like, what happened there? And it kind of explains without explaining it kind of explains why he lost it and shot everyone like there's something he yeah. put a, he infected him somehow in that moment in his brain says something and i like that i like that part of it but then like a minute later she's looking at the laptop and she sees herself looking at the laptop and it turns into this mm-hmm. like mirror image thing where it's like the thousand right, like images image yeah it's like a feedback it. like yeah. she sees herself she looks behind and it's you know every it's like it's like uh it's like the scene the space balls where they're like yeah. where is this at in the movie this is now this is now <laughs> what happened then was then this is now and everything and darth darth uh what's his name darth uh uh um, oh, shit helmet the dark helmet dark helmet dark dark helmet he's like looking around every time he turns around it looks in the screen he's like why don't i go back to them when is then then is now why would i go back to then you can't why we just missed it uh that's what they were doing in this film is like they landed on now and so jessica's looking in her screen and she's like it's a literally like a inversion screen of her looking at herself and every time she turns she turns into it's it was just weird for the sake of being weird. Like it didn't really. And there was a great scare after that, where you see her get a bag put over her head. And she pulls backwards. And it's a really cool jump scare, but that it didn't pay off. It paid off in that moment, but the whole, it was just, it was like, why? Like, why does she need to be hallucinating in that moment where she's seeing this screen within a screen? It just made no sense to me. Yeah. Like, I still don't know if it's a hallucination or it really happened. Like, I still am not quite sure. Like, was it the intention of uh, the the Malum's flock to do this? It seems that way. Yeah. But, like, then it doesn't quite explain. Like, I still don't know how she had all the hallucinations. Is she cursed? I guess Malum is truly, you know, a, a lower uh, connected to this lower God. I guess that's what they're saying. I guess. But it's but it's the the constant back and forth between what is tangibly real and what is a hallucination that creates the muddiness? Uh, so I was like, I guess, I guess both are the case. It's hard to tell. Yeah. Like I said, there's moments where it feels like it gets weird for the sake of being weird. Um, and it's mm-hmm. almost like we want to make you feel a little more insane. Whereas what I liked about the last shift is when you get to the conclusion and you realize there's been hallucinations, it's like, a, Oh wow. I didn't really see that coming. And this film, they start messing with you kind of early on where you kind of like, you're not really sure what's reality and what's not. And it's just yeah. an odd, it's just some odd choices in there. And again, it doesn't ruin the film by any stretch of the imagination. No. It's making it sound like there's a lot. I don't like about this film. There's actually a lot. I really like about this film. Uh, but as I said, just some story choices, some story choices that kind of made me scratch my head and almost, like why um let's yeah. get into categories patrick because we do want to get into categories for this episode uh with malum uh let's kick things off 
Uh, let me get over where am I at with the category? Sorry, I didn't actually have them pulled up. There we go. Best performance. Uh, best performance in Malum. Who you got? I put a best performance up this time. Um, we omitted it from last shift because it's basically one person and th this, there's only a sprinkling of other people. Um, but I do give it to our lead, uh, Jessica Sula, who played Officer Jessica Lauren. And it actually goes back to in our in our la in the in part one of this of this series, um, we had a category where we said, what do we want to see in the reimagining of of last shift into Malum? And I said, I want to see the character of Jessica Lauren actually react to what the fuck is happening. Because there was this weird thing that I still don't understand where she would something would happen and then she would just kind of go back to whatever she was doing. Something psychotically insane would happen. And then she would go back to what she was doing and it didn't seem to affect her. Jessica Sula's performance, and I'm sure it's a choice on her behalf and on the behalf of the, the uh, director and writer is that when shit hits the fan, she reacts, she actually reacts and like carries that to the next thing, whatever the next thing is, she's got the last thing in the back of her mind and it builds and builds and builds and builds. Whereas in last shift, it was like, Crazy shit happens, and then we go back to normal. Crazy shit happens, we go back to normal. This was crazy shit happens, oh shit. Um, I'm trying to keep my brain, but that crazy shit just happened, and now something new is happening, and I'm trying to deal with that, and here comes this. So it created this like constant ratcheting up of tension and dread that I appreciated, and it took Jessica Sula's performance for to to kind of twist her all the way to the manic fever dream that ends this uh the, 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 in, in a climactic like you know full-on lower god sacrificial altar ceremony shit that's crazy we get from one point to the next in this in this great you know um um ratcheting up of of all that insanity yeah yeah i would agree there um and i would say the choices are more understandable even if some right. of the story is a little more convoluted, but I do agree the choices are better. Um, you know, actually, I, I thought she did a great job, and I obviously I want to, you know, she's the biggest part of the film. Jessica Sula does a great job, but I will say my best performance actually goes in a slightly different direction. And I'm actually going to go with Sam Brooks, who played Officer Price. Um, now, mm, yes. now, I do have a complaint about Officer Price, though, and here's the one complaint I have. In one of the best gags in The Last Shift... There's a moment when another police officer shows up at the police station to check on Officer Lauren. She's been having all this weird stuff happen to her all night, and she's freaked out. And she assumes that the other cops are hazing her because she's a rookie. And she's starting to believe, like, this is all just like a coincidence. This is all them messing with me. And when another police officer shows up, she thinks he's one of them. But then it turns out he's just a nice guy who's been sent down there to check on her. And she has a great conversation with him. He kind of calms her nerves. And he tells her a little bit about, you know, he was there when the whole raid on the compound happened. He knew about it, blah, blah, blah. Knew about her dad, all that kind of stuff. It's like a little bit of history in that moment. Kind of a nice, like, almost like the calmest moment in the film. And then when he turns around and says, well, if you need anything else, you know, I'm Officer Price. He turns around and leaves and you see he has a moonroof in the back of his head because he's actually <laughs> a ghost and he's had his head blown out. And you're like, what the fuck? Um, Officer Price shows up in this film as well in a, in a very similar capacity, except the only problem is, is we actually meet him at the beginning when her dad goes on the killing spree. So we know he's a ghost. We know he's dead. That's yeah. the only gag that was kind of like, oh, man, like I kind of wish they hadn't yeah. shown him because that was one of the coolest parts about the original was the revelation that he was dead. That being said, 
he was kind of like the smart ass, like goofy cop. And he played it really well. He played it well in the opening scene when he's kind of, you know, you're a hero, man. And then he's kind of razzing another one of the police officers who's like, you know, overweight. And he's kind of joking with him, messing with him. It's very, very cop humor in the, in the locker room humor. And then yeah. when he shows back up and meets Jessica in the police station along with his partner, same kind of thing, very joking. And then he has a great line, which is actually in the trailer that I played when he says, your dad was a hero until he wasn't. And it's just a really strong line when he says that. You're like, damn, like that's the moment. Like, we're finally really because with all the weird oddity we talked about of like one year later, she's working at this police station where her dad went on a murderous rampage and no one seems to mind that she's there working. Uh, he's the one guy as a ghost who shows up and he's like, yeah, your dad was a hero. Till he wasn't. And like, he says it right yep. to her. And it's got a real, it's a real, like, that feels real in that moment where like everyone, everyone, that's why the whole idea of her working there one year later never made sense because every single person she interacts with from cops, every single person is basically like, fuck your dad more or less i'm paraphrasing here but they're more or less like screw your dad because he went on a murderous rampage and killed my friends my colleagues my co-workers whatever everyone is kind of like that so there's no way she'd be working at this police station that being said face to face price is like kind of a nice jokey guy kind of a fun guy but then he's like your dad was a hero until he wasn't and then she takes him and she shows him that they hid the shotgun that he used to kill a bunch of people he pulls that out and shows it to her and it's a really cool moment because it's almost like it's you know what remind me of it remind me of scenes in the shining when yeah. Jack goes to the bar and there's that mm -hmm. bartender waiting on him and he's like you know of course you are Mr. Torrance and it's really like you're like you know he's not there but it's like you're seeing it through Jack's eyes. It's really that's kind of what Officer Price like, kind of a jokey, kind of a funny, goofy cop. And then she, he like, yeah. he presents her with a shotgun, knowing full well what he's leading her towards. And I really liked yeah. that character, and I thought he did a great job. He, I, I wasn't super familiar with the actor. I looked him up, and Sam Brooks was also in uh, Fear Street, 1978. Then I remembered his oh, character. Nice. He played Arnie in that film. I was like, oh, yeah, I remember him now, because I adored the Fear Street films. Um, so, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, now. So, yeah, Sam Brooks, I thought, did a good job as, like, that middle kind of jokey, kind of comic relief character who actually played an important part in the second half of the film. Yeah, no, it, it was important for his character to show her where the what they call uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give a shout out to writers blockbusters great podcast on screenwriting. Um, he shows her the not so secret weapon, which is a, a, a phrase that they uh, coined, where, which is like, you're going to need this later. Let me show it to you. Yeah, uh, th that officer price does that for and to your point about the performance for Sam Brooks. It's the same. I like his performance for the same reason that I like Jessica Sula's performance. He's one of the few people that actually reacts to what's happening in a way that makes sense. Like when he, when he meets her and you still don't know that he's a ghost and you meet her or when you meet uh, Officer Price in, in Malum, he's he's like, you're here. You're his daughter. Yeah. And you're here a year later. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Like he's he the one says that, it. He like actually he, said, says, he says the quiet part out loud that we're kind of like everyone should be screaming out loud. Yeah. And I was like, thank goodness. Be, like he's reacting like you should react yeah. which made total sense so i dug that i like that about his performance yeah absolutely before we move on to our next category i did pick a second category for myself we occasionally oh. do give uh, a category that we kind of joke about like maybe someone went a little too far uh and we like to call this one our one testicle award and uh one testicle 
from the great Nicholas Nick Cage, Cage from uh, Prisoners of Ghostland. <laughs> yeah. And my 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 one Tesla award for this movie goes to none other than the man who played John Mallon himself, Cheney Morrow, who I joked uh, off of the air, and I'll say it now just because it was kind of funny. I'm proud of myself for coming up with this one. I, he reminded me of a dime store Bill Mosley. Very looks like a younger <laughs> Bill Mosley. Um, yeah, there are a couple moments where Cheney Morrow goes a little too far in the goof in like the in the um, cult leader mode and also they they make it there's a thing with this film where they basically say he never ages because like when we meet him we assume it's back in the 80s or early 90s when when jessica's born i guess and then we see him and then he never ages they actually bring that up as like a point later in the film where mother shows up but she makes a point to say never ages which didn't really understand why but neither here nor there um another element yeah, another element that just didn't need to be there. Um, but it just felt like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't help not say this, Patrick. The way they made him look, he was wearing like turtlenecks and he had this like shaggy, like 70s haircut. I was like, this dude looks like he's trying out for Boogie Nights, not that he's trying out for like cult leader. The guy, very the, anchorman, the guy who played the cult leader, and he was very briefly in it in, in Last Shift. He looked like a hillbilly. He had long, blonde, scraggly hair, beard, had that kind of like, I'm going to get you boy like he had that kind yeah. of draw to him he looked like the guy who would be leading a weird cult in the middle yeah, of the, charlie you know, manson yeah a little weird this guy i'm not kidding he looked like he was auditioning for boogie nights like he looked like he was just like gonna be on there like hi i'm i'm dirk diggler uh he just didn't he just he looked he, like burke Bacharach in fucking did, 1970 he did not look the part of a cult leader i'm sorry it just it bugged me because i'm like this is weird <laughs> like he doesn't strike me as the guy who would be a cult leader yeah no, that's true. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they were just like, we have to make him look different than the other one. We're like, I, it seemed like they probably wanted to strike well, and, out. And maybe they were, and again, maybe they were going again. You think about like the the aesthetics of the Manson family when you watch films like that. Like they were hippies, you know, they were they were hippie, and I get it. They, that was the way they dressed. And that's you look at pictures of Manson from the 60, early sixties. That's what he looked like. But this guy, I don't know, just something about him. He just like he yeah, struck weird. me as a guy who's like you know going to audition for the casting couch. Not necessarily he's the cult leader of the, of this big. I don't know. It, just i didn't i didn't necessarily buy him i guess i, I guess that's really my yeah, larger he was, point he looked like topher grace in that 70s <laughs> yeah he just didn't it just didn't work for me um <laughs> so that's why i gave him my one test school award uh let's talk about best ghoul kind of a carryover from our episode last week uh best ghoul in uh malum uh this one i had to give it to them um we finally meet the lower god now they don't i don't think they ever say anything they don't call him anything other than the lower god they may they may have and i missed it um and that would it probably would have been payment in the original um they they wisely spent i think most of their money on this effect it looks great to me i don't know how you felt about it to me it looked really good. It really, I was at first I was like, dude, they are kind of biting off the Cenobites from Hellraiser. And then I realized, oh, okay, De Blasi is an actual disciple of um I'm drawing a blank. Clive Barker. Right Clive, Clive Barker. Barker, yeah. So I go, of course, he's he is channeling Clive in this, and and he did it greatly. I really loved the de- the design of the lower god when they finally reveal him in that kind of crescendo uh final sacrifice final ceremony and the lower god is risen uh it's it's something out of like a tool music video from like 2000 or something like that it's it looks fucking crazy i do it, it almost looks like a like a starfish like pulled apart from the face kind of thing like they pulled five pieces of his face apart 
kind of thing and it's all stretched out yeah. with like a weird crown kind of thing i don't know how to describe it i'm probably not describing it very well um yeah it was good i was really impressed by that i was kind of like, okay that you got me that's a cool effect i like that you got the you really did like you sold the lower god the entire film and now we're seeing him and it actually works um yeah i enjoyed mm-hmm. that um Mine, I don't really know that my ghoul had a name, but I'm gonna, I'm just gonna call him the shooting gallery ghoul because he's the one that pops up when Jessica goes to the shooting gallery and all of the targets start coming back at her like you would when you're in a shooting gallery where you press a button and they go back and that's what you're aiming and shooting at and they all start coming back at her and then the very last one comes at her and it's got this satanic symbol of the malum clan it's like a pentagram with like weird horns and like a slash on the again it's just the symbol of the malum clan but it's in blood and she kind of stops dead in her tracks and she pulls it down and then the creature comes out and it's one of the creatures with like the bag over its head but this one's kind of got the eyes out and it's jagged teeth it almost looks burned it looks like it was burned alive kind of thing and it comes at her and it's a really effective ghoul and we see it a couple more times in the film i I guess maybe that's supposed to be john malam i guess is that i think that's the ghoul right maybe yeah i think it might be i think that is the john John malam ghoul if now that i remember correctly yeah i think it might be it's hard to tell because i think there is a couple of them and they all look great but they all have a little it was kind of like in the original when you see them under that under their pillowcases they all look slightly different somehow they were just able to like crank that up a little bit on this one because they had more budget so but the 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 pillow-headed ghouls were pretty good in this one i actually really like them and like like shining eyes in the in the in the darkness and stuff was cool yeah so that's the one that i just that one caught me and that was a really cool one the big jagged teeth and everything looked like he had been burnt it was really cool um let's talk about best scare patrick what was your best scare in malum my best best scare sort of harkens back to um what i what i called best chill in uh in last shift because this wasn't there there are actually tons of great scares in malum um but this one was more of a chilling moment and i and i just wanted to kind of stay with that theme for malum as well and um you kind of noticed that dad is floating in the background not float not literally floating but he's just sort of in the background of a lot of scenes uh with jessica right she's on the search for her dad well he's here his presence exists in this in this beat down station he's around and so you kind of keep seeing him pass through a back you know a, a back hall or or you see his reflection in a window or something you get the feeling that eventually they are they are going to come together and finally they're in like a dark room together and he starts talking to her and uh and he's talking to her about stuff and he's being very cryptic and obviously very scary and then as he looks up at her his his eyes glow in the dark you just see his eyes shine kind of like a cat's eyes in the night and i was like damn it just hit all the right all the right little things that need to get under your skin so i chose that one in the spirit of last shift i i thought that one was a great chill yeah, that was a good one. I think it was back in the locker room where we saw him in the beginning. Yes. I think that's where she saw him was in the locker room again. And she sees her dad and he looks up and that's when he turns into like the demon. It's it's a really cool effect. Um, so there are some gags carried over from the first film into this film, including the uh, the holding cell, which I loved in the first one. And they do it again in this one. A lot mirrored, so I'm not going to pick it again, even though credit, they pull it off again. It works really well. And I like that. Even the, the dangling bodies hanging from the from nooses work really well. But I'm going back to the shooting gallery scene because that moment when they pull down and that ghoul is there, man, it got me. I jumped back in my seat and it's one of those ones. 
I know people probably get sick of me saying it on the show, Patrick, but it's one of the ones that I knew was coming, but I didn't mm-hmm. know what was coming. I knew something was coming. I knew you pulled down that 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 sheet, that target. There's going to be something behind it. But I didn't know oh, yeah. what. And when it was revealed, I was like, oh, shit. It got me. I, I jumped. It was a good jump scare. And I said it a thousand times in the show, Patrick, going all the way back to when we reviewed Satan Slaves. This is going back many, many, many episodes ago. There's a really effective jump scare in that film where it's just set up and you know it's coming. You absolutely see it coming. There's no mystery to it. But when it happens, it still gets you. You still jump and you're still like, oh, crap. Very much same thing here. When all those sheets start coming back and that last one comes with the with the Malum satanic symbol on it carved in blood. And she pulls, I'm like, okay, what's going to be behind it? I know it's something, but it worked, man. It got me. I jumped back in my seat. I jolted. That was probably one of my favorite jump scares of the entire film. And there's a lot. The scares in this film are really, really effective. They do a great job with that throughout the film. And they carry over a few of the gags. And they make a lot of new ones. But that one just, I don't know. Again, I knew it was happening. But when she pulls down that sheet and that freaking burnt, crispy, bloody, toothed monsters there, it got me, man. I jumped back in my seat, something fierce. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, that's a it was a great jump scare. There was a lot of those in there. This this we we talked a lot about. I think the things that kind of got under our skin in the wrong way. Uh, let it be known in the right way. This movie does a lot of things good. A lot of great scares come out of it. Uh, that's one of them. Yeah, let's talk about best kill because there are a lot of kills in this film. It's a horror movie, and more there's kills. a lot, a lot more kills, a lot bigger body counts. So, what was your favorite kill in uh, in uh, in Malum? So one part of the plot is um, that phone call in in last shift, the phone call was the girl trying to survive or so you thought. Right. Um, in this one, it's it's the the clan, the, the Malum flock taunting her, saying we have the girls that your dad saved and they confirm it. Uh, she confirms it by calling, but it turns out not to be a cop. So it's kind of weird. Again, a lot of elements flying around, but um, they confirm that indeed uh all the girls that were saved one year ago are missing tonight have been kidnapped tonight and uh and it's they need to finish what they started they need to finish the ceremony that they started so they're going to start picking them off um and they pick off one of the girls in a very horrific way um they they hang her and it seems like a ghost is hanging her like i don't think anyone is actually doing the hanging in, in this instance and uh she's she's hung up in the holding cell and uh, we, she tries to get free. So she's like kind of holding her neck against the noose and she's pulling while the noose is getting tighter and tighter and tighter and starts breaking her fingers and it's squeezing her neck and they're really getting in close and showing it tightening, tightening harder on her neck. Her eye bursts and like it fully decapitates her like in, in an insane way. And it looks great, really great effects really fucking gory and nasty and i was like man i I, if there's a better kill in this movie please tell me um so generally speaking when we do these categories i like to pick different things because there are a lot there are some really cool kills in this movie there are some really cool moments but there is none better than this. This was it. This was mine as well. Rad. And I can't not pick it because this is the moment when the, she gets decapitated and the blood splashes down all over Jessica. And that's where she's got, you see a lot of the promo shots for this film. She's got that one shot where she's all covered in blood and they obviously, they're not going to tell you where it comes from. Well, that's where it comes from. She gets the blood splattered on her from this decapitated girl. And it's really good, man. When that news starts tightening up and it starts cutting off her fingers and Jessica's trying to save her, like Jessica finds her yeah. and she's trying to 
save her, but then the noose just keeps getting tighter and tighter, and then it literally pops her head off, and the blood splashes down on her. It reminded me of, like, for the rest of the movie, she's walking around that blood. It reminded me of the scene in uh, The Descent, which is an all-time great horror movie, uh, when the lead yeah. character in that is just covered in blood and covered in, you know, gook, walking through the caves of this system of this of this movie. It's a really cool effect. Um, this is, it's just when it splashes down on her, and it's like a shocking moment, because uh, she couldn't save this girl in the decapitation. It's, it's perfect, man. It's the best effect in this movie, in my opinion, and again, I could pick a different one and be disingenuous and lie to you. No, this is the best kill. It's great. It's it's worth the price of admission because you go, holy shit, they fucking went for it. Yeah. Let's talk about best gore because right hand in hand with best kill, there is best gore. So what was your best gore in this film? Tons of gore. And some of it's just like gore, like the design of the Malum flock and all that stuff. Um, the one that really got me, though, was the very first bit of gore that you see. Well, actually, I mean, the very first that isn't in the footage. So you see a little bit of footage of the Malum flock. You're sacrificing these girls, and that's kind of graphic, actually. But it's brief. But when Officer Will decides to go on his rampage in the uh, police station, uh, you talk about the two officers. They're in the shooting range. They're having a discussion about a, a shitty hookup they had the night before. And the officer, I forget her name. But she's, uh, she's a redheaded officer. She's talking to this guy about how he was a lousy lay. And she's talking to him. And Damon, I swear, it caught me so off guard that I still can't see how they did it. But she's talking. And the next moment, her head is blown off. <laughs> and it felt like I don't feel like I saw a cut. I don't feel like I saw an angle change. It just caught me in a way that looks like I'm watching a woman talking. And then before, as she's talking, her head is being blown to bits. And it just, I mean, blown to bits, like like Maniac 1981 or whatever it was, 1982, when, when Tom Savini's head gets completely blown to smithereens, like she's talking, and then the very next second, her head is like splattered all over the wall. And I was like, holy fucking shit, that's amazing. That was also a great jump. Like, uh, that's what I said, the opening of this film is just unbelievable. Like, th that's, I mean, I like a lot of things in this film. That's probably still my favorite. The opening is incredible, this film, man. What a great, yeah, great. what a great way to set up the entire movie. Um, my favorite gore, so I had a couple of different ones I was going with in here. I actually originally was going to go with the decapitation, because that is a great bit of gore, but we went with best kill for that one. So my best gore um, goes a little different in, in, a, in a slightly different direction. It is kind of a callback to one of your favorite parts of the last shift, which is there's a moment in last shift where we see one of the girls who has supposedly been saved. She's the one who's calling on the phone and we see her eventually and her face shows up and she's all mangled, beat to hell, whatever. We see her in last shift. It's a good jump scare and a good gory form, a good gory moment in this film. There's a lot of footage shown from the cult, which, again, we talked about maybe a little bit too much. But there is a scene where there's a girl begging for her life and they beat her with a baseball bat. And you see him just beat her viciously with the baseball bat. And then they show the aftermath of it. I mean, it is it is gory as hell. And it is just I mean, they it literally looks like they beat a pumpkin to death and it's just mush and blood. And it's just disgusting. It's uh very very graphic and and very well done and again kind of stretchy within their means because i i complimented 
the first film, when they did shootings in the first film, I said they couldn't actually show a lot of people's heads getting blown off because it takes a lot of budget, a lot of effects you have to do. Now, you mentioned the opening scene in this one does it, and it's great. This one, they don't actually show them necessarily beat. They show you beating. They just don't show the back connecting with the woman's head. They just show the back coming down. But then they show the aftermath, and boy, oh, oh boy, is it, boy, oh boy, is it gory, and boy, oh boy, is it effective. Holy shit! Do they show that aftermath? You thought you thought Glenn's death in The Walking Dead was ugly. <laughs> this is right up there with that. Yeah, it's it's gruesome, gruesome death. So yeah, that's pretty good. All right, let's talk about uh, one of our favorite new categories we've been doing recently, which is remake, sequel, or leave it alone. Now, just for the people who may be new or, or haven't heard this category before or coming back from a past episode, this is a category where we talk about the film we're reviewing and we say, should we remake it? As in, maybe make it better or make it different? Should we sequelize it? Should we make a sequel to this movie? Or should we just leave it alone? Is it good just the way it is? Now, this is an unusual one because this technically is a remake of The Last Shift. So, Patrick with Malum, remake sequel or leave it alone man oh man <laughs> i don't know i don't know what to say i want to say all three hey because okay so i read uh, i read a review from uh uh, uh editor at large for rogerebert.com uh, matt zoller stites if i'm saying his name correctly um he said i kind of want to see them remake this one more time and see what they do with that <laughs> and i was like I'm kind of with him on that. Like, it, like, okay, we did it once. We did it twice. Let's do it thrice and see what happens on the third time. Like, let's, let's see if they take all our notes. <laughs> let's see if, cause we had a few. Um, but then I'm like, well, a sequel would be interesting because I think the cult would, would, would weigh heavy on the next sequel. So I'm going, okay, that's, I could see what you could do with the cult and clearly there's a lower God. So we can fuck with that. Or can we, or is there a lower God? I don't know. Maybe we can get those answers or maybe it turns into the, the, the Halloween David Gordon green trilogy and it just gets more confusing. I don't know. Um, or leave it alone. We've done it. We've done this. We have the last, we have last shift, which you and I both universally thought was great and encouraged people to see. We have Malum, which I think is a strong, strong movie that people should definitely go see. So maybe we leave it at that. We've made these two good movies and let's see what else um, uh, de Blasi can do. Um, So weirdly, I'm going to say all damn three, Damon. All right. I'm going to knock it down to two out of three and I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave sequel out. The reason okay. I leave, the reason I leave sequel out is because the way they end this film, both with the last shift and with uh, Malum, we keep calling it the last shift. It's just last shift, but last shift to Malum is Jessica Lauren, our lead character, dies in both. The first one, she hallucinates that she's killing cult members. She's actually killing members of a hazmat crew, and then she gets shot and killed by another cop, which stops her rampage in the hot in the uh, in the police station. This film, she ends up blowing her own head off. Uh, and then she becomes uh, the payments or she, you got me saying payment now. She becomes the Malum queen. She becomes the queen of, of the underworld, the queen of this, you know, this damnation, whatever, this lower God that they're trying to, they're trying to uh, resurrect or, or worship or whatever you want to call it. She dies in both. I like that finality of it. I like the twist that the lead character dies and there's no coming back um, again. I dig that. So I don't need to see a sequel. I will say leave it alone in the sense of that as much as I, and I like the last shift, I liked, I keep saying the last shift, last shift, I like last shift very much. And even though I do have some issues with the story in Malum, overall, I still like this film and it works. And because it gives me a satisfying conclusion, I say leave it alone. But 
The other part is remake. And here's where I say they could. And I'm kind of with you in the idea that maybe 10 years down the road, we get another version of the same film. And here's the idea. I have not going to tell them how to do it. But here's the thing. There were story issues in the first one because of the way it was set. No, it was an issue. The story was set up really well in the last one because this was just a girl who was in the wrong place at the wrong time who just happened to be related in some way, shape, or form to some terrible things that had happened here. She was thrust into the situation. One of the biggest things we bumped up against in this one is that this girl self chose to be there a year after this tragedy happened, and we have agreed universally this would never in a million years actually happen. No cop on no cop force on earth is going to allow this girl to work in the same police station where her dad went on a murderous rampage a year later. We again, I'm not revisiting that. So combine the two a little bit. You know, combine the two a little bit. Maybe you do the distance like we talked about. If you do a remake, maybe you make it 10 years in the future where it wouldn't be so obvious that they would never let her near this, where maybe she really didn't know her dad. She grew up, you know, died when she was 10 years old. Now, 10 years later, she's a cop. She wants to honor her father, but she also wants answers. So you kind of combine the two stories a little bit because there's elements. There's a lot of elements of Malum I really like, and I really liked Last Shift. If you kind of twist them together. You might make the perfect film. So both of them are really good. I like both. Ten years from now, guys, let's do it one more time. I'm kind of into that. I'm kind of into it. I'm kind of into it. (laughs) Let's run it back. (laughs) Yeah, let's do it one more time. Um, We always talk about this one now, Patrick. Also, could we survive this horror film? Now, this is a little harder because we've already talked about the last. We already talked about last shift. Will we survive or not? You basically said you would not. I said I would because I would get the fuck out and I wouldn't be in there to begin with. Um, This one's a little different because the motivations are different. We are in there because we want answers. We want answers to our family. We want to know why our father died and did what he did on that rampage night uh, one year ago. Um, So, Patrick. (laughs) Would you survive, Malum? So because of that intention, because the intention is clear this time, I would definitely survive. Definitely. Even with hallucination. And here's why. Um, we talked a little bit on, on the last part, if you wanted to tune in, <laughs> uh, that you and I have both dabbled in psychedelics. <laughs> and so the, the scary thing about dabbling in psychedelics is kind of like losing control. Well, if you're if you get more experience in dabbling with psychedelics, you can understand that, like, at some point you can understand that even a bad trip is part of the trip. So you kind of roll with it. If I have this intention and the experience that I now have with losing my shit mentally, um, I could kind of roll with the bad trip knowing that I have the intention of finding out the answer. So this time around in this scenario with my full intention of uncovering the truth, I think I would make it out. How perfect is this Patrick? Because in this film, I don't think I would make it out. I don't think I would survive (laughs) Malum. And here's why I am a dog with a bone. I do. I my as a as a journalist, my day job as a journalist, I am a researcher by nature. I am. I dig into research. I've done investigative stories for the past 20 years. That's what I do. Okay. now I can sit here and be honest and say there's a lot of stuff I investigate that isn't nearly as in-depth as other things. But I've done big in-depth pieces. I am a dog with a bone. There is. I can't. I'm not going to name it. I'm not going to get into details here. There is a song that was featured in a TV show like 15 years ago or like 10 years ago that I still rewatch this day. I've never figured out what it was 
but it still haunts me. And occasionally when I run across that episode of TV, I will without a doubt spend an hour that night on the internet trying to find it still. I am a dog with a bone, Patrick. I will not let go. So that being said, no, I would not survive this because I would not get out. I would not leave when the, when the getting was good. I would not answer the questions. I would stay there until it was all over and I was getting my head blown off or ripped apart by the demon God. 100% I would not survive this because if you give me a purpose and I'm looking for an answer, I am not going to stop until I find that answer. And sadly, the answer in this film is I die and I become the demon God's bitch. So... <laughs> I know me. I know me. I'm a dog with a bone. I'm the guy who's still looking up a song I heard in a TV show 10 years ago. I will not let it go. Shazam that, right? That's the problem. It's not on Shazam. It's some weird random song that's not out there, but it bugs the hell out of me. I won't give up. So, yes, I would die. I would stay in there until the very end where I'm like, I need this answer. And then like, oh, by the way, you're going to be the queen of the king of the underworld. I'm like, well, fuck. So, you know. Yeah. So I'm much dead. like last shift and Malum, like our like things have changed for us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's so that's really interesting how that worked out. It's kind of eerie. The purpose. It's the per you give me a purpose. You want me to find an answer. I am I am not stopping until I get that answer, even if it's to my own detriment. Yeah. Uh, look at mm, us. Yeah. Look at us. I, I we're gonna have to run this back a third time. We gotta get on the phone with de Blasi and go, all right, can we remake this in like two years? Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> we got to do this again. I think it's perfect because we, uh, by the way, for anyone who's listening to this, we do not plan this, by the way. We do not plan this. Like, no, we have no idea we what we're going to say. So, yeah. So, Patrick has no idea what I was going to say. I had no idea what he was going to say. So, it kind of worked out. I was like, how weird is that? The last one that was the weird. reverse. Last one, you said you were going to die and I survived. This one, you said you survived. And I'm like, nope, I'm dead. Um, yeah. <laughs> works out well. All right. Let's talk. We've talked a lot about this in the film. So, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this as we get ready to close out this episode. But basically, what did Malum do better? Better and worse than last year. This is where we're really getting the comparison. Now, we've done a lot of comparing already, so I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. Um, but overall, what did Malum do better and worse than last shift? Um, the better was that they made good use of their budget and went when they went bigger, it looked better. That's for sure. And then uh, for the exact same reason that that's what got worse about it was that then they just threw too much at us that they we, that we didn't need that we actually didn't need. And the blueprint was already in last shift and showed us that actually a pretty streamlined story would work, even if it was changed. So ultimately, OK, like you, you get more money, but the spirit and the ingenuity of last shift, um, I think, makes it the slightly better movie. But both movies are fun. Both movies are scary. Both movies have the right amount of like the intrigue and gore and all that good stuff. Like I, I like these movies and they are different movies. Like they achieved the thing they wanted to achieve, which was re-envision this thing, make it bigger, badder and gore. They did that. They absolutely did that. And the story changed. It was a different story. And whether that's to detriment or to um, to benefit is entirely up to you, the viewer. We don't, we're not here to tell you this movie's good or bad. I actually came out of it going, cool. I like this movie. I like Malum. I, I thought it was fine. And they did achieve that. They did achieve with with Malum uh, making this a bigger, badder, different story. Yeah, I would say that um, the biggest difference is what I talked about earlier, which is why I'm not going to harp on this a whole lot. The story gets a little bit gets bigger and it feels outside of itself and it feels like they went 
too far outside the boundaries of what was a pretty self-contained story and it worked really well even if you introduce the idea that this character the lead character went there on her own volition of choice because she wanted answers versus the last one was kind of thrust into the situation which again they may seem like minor details but that's actually a major difference in these two films um and for the most part, it works in this film, but that's just my biggest part is they just went too far out of bounds, introducing all the connections to the cult and everything. That's my biggest issue. My biggest compliment to this film is where they went bigger and better. It is bigger and better. It is scarier in moments. It is gorier in moments. It is heightened heightened tension in moments there's more foreboding dread in this film because they have more to work with um it works. The performances are great. Like I said, there were, you know, not that the performances in last shift were bad, but this one, you feel like the performances were overall a little bit better. Um, and again, because you have more money to spend all those kind of things, you can do more takes, you know, you don't, you're not sitting on one or two takes. You can actually film four or five or six takes and pick which one is the best. Those are little things you don't have the, um, ability to really do when you're on a really low budget films. You're working on a very, very tight time schedule. Um, this one you actually did. And I feel like they got a better overall film because of that. Um, again, I, I do bump up against a couple of things as i mentioned the cult leader kind of bugged me yeah yeah that one there and then like i said some of the story points about the whole cult, the ties to the cult the long term the long-term ties to the cult bugged me because i'm kind of like you really didn't need to go there and then again as i said the opening opening's amazing um i don't know where i'm going to rank that in like my favorite openings but it's going to be up there it's incredible i love That's the opening good. of this film but again one year later daughter going back wouldn't happen and so that just again i kind of bump up against that but again it's my these are minor things and these are things that i'm picking apart as a storyteller where i say that i just i have an issue with this or that but it doesn't ruin the movie i i enjoyed it when i left the movie um i was genuinely creeped out and that's a good feeling when you're a horror fan like us and we always talk about it all the time patrick we get desensitized to horror when i left malum i was like damn that was creepy and that works that works because mm-hmm. i don't generally leave films even films i like do I leave film saying, man, that was creepy. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's there are lasting images from Malum that you will definitely carry with you if you're psychos like Damon and myself. Yes. Also, I, want to, I, I didn't look up the name and I'm so sorry I meant to do this earlier. I forgot to do it. Uh, credit to the score. I really like the score in this oh, movie yeah, as well. Very good. Uh, the score really, really, really did well. His name um, is like is like Flame Man or something. Like yeah, that. So I can't remember, really what, it, I can't remember what it was, but the, 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 the score in this film is really, really well done. Um, so I just want to mention that because I really did enjoy the score to this film. Um, Last category is always Patrick. Is it scary? So at the end of the day, all the things we talked about with Malum, is it scary? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is still very much a scary movie. Um, we were harder on this movie. There's no question about it. We were harder because we had, we had a standard to start with, which was very good. It was a very good. So let's pretend last shift didn't exist. It's a very good movie. This is a very good movie. It's still, there's still some questions that get raised in it and all that stuff, but Blood, guts, gore, intrigue, dread, scares, clues, uh, you name it. It's all there. It's all there. It, like there, I, I feel like not enough people are talking about it, but maybe it's just because we're in our little bubble. But I'm like, I don't see enough people talking about Malum and Last Shift. I, they, they, they need to. You need to see these things. These, this is required reading if you listen to Rewind to Living Dead. 
Yeah, it's weird because, as we said, comparing-wise, it is tough because they are, you know, this is a reimagining of Last Shift, and we both really, really like Last Shift. So I fully admit I'm being probably a little harsh on my judgment of Madeline because I really, really like that. And that being said, I still really, really like this. And, uh, yeah, it's damn scary. As I said, I left the feel- I left the theater feeling genuinely creeped out. The end of this movie, when you get to the credits, it goes to a black screen with, like, red lettering. So the art theater, the lights didn't come up. So it was, like... Like super super dark in there still and there was like only like there was a few there was like two other people in the theater with me i went to a late show so it wasn't a lot of people in there and there was still a dude sitting in the back and i was like kind of like creepily looking at him like what the hell is going on over there like i was like walking out of there like get me to the light part get me to the light here uh yeah it was a good effective scary movie worked really really well like i said i bump up against a few story points but again minor minor quibbles and again there's just it, it, listen it's an unfair comparison because i really really liked last shift it was very minimal movie and it worked really well and maybe i maybe again i think if i would have seen last shift 10 years ago when it came out or nine years ago when it came out and i saw malum now and i hadn't seen i hadn't had that relationship probably would have been different but i just saw last shift like right before i saw malum so it's hard for me not to compare the two um and so i'm fully admitting i'm being probably a little too harsh uh that being said i still really like this film it still scared the hell out of me the effects were great the jump scares were great the tension was great the performances were great uh and last but not least let me say this as i said earlier at the top of the show go see this in the theater Go see mm-hmm. it's a theater experience. You want to be you want to be walking out of the theater creeped out like I was. Trust me. Yep. Sounds great. Looks great. And it's got some fucked up imagery in it. <laughs> I mean, what more do you want? You're a horror fan. Go see the damn thing wherever yeah. you can absolutely all right folks we're gonna get out of here uh we got a lot of big movies coming up in the near future evil dead rise and we're also going to review renfield a horror comedy we don't do a lot of horror comedies here we're going to do renfield which will be a lot of fun uh the nicholas cage i mean come on now we got nicholas cage coming to horror how can we not review that film uh so stay tuned for that obviously as we said this was a special two-part episode if you missed part one last week we reviewed uh last shift now we're reviewing Malum. If you haven't seen Last Shift, again, I'd highly recommend seeing it. It's on Peacock and Tubi. Check it out. Worth your while. Malum is in theaters now. Uh, obviously, you can check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. Also, over on our YouTube channel, please, please, please subscribe. Just search Rewind of the Living Dead, and you'll find us over there. We're trying to build that channel, so please subscribe to our YouTube channel. We put up the episodes over there each and every week, and you can even see our faces, which might be a bit of a deterrent to watching the show, but you can still hear it over there, at least at that, too. We look so. like two lower gods. Yes, it's we do. Nice. It is. It is very nice. Uh also, if you have questions, comments, movies you'd like us to review, hit us up anytime on social media. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, just search Rewind of the Living Dead. You'll find us over there. Send us messages. We love reading it. We love reading your emails as well. Send us emails at rotlivingdead at gmail.com. That's rot. Livingdead at gmail.com. And we will uh, definitely respond to your emails. And we love suggestions of movies we review on the show. So please do that as well. And you can also hit us up on our own personal uh, social media channels. I am at damon martin you are at director patrick a big thank you as always to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the show enjoy last shift enjoy malum and we'll be back next week with another edition of rewind of the living dead thanks for tuning in we'll see you then peace